Welcome to Smith Memorial Online. We are located in Collinsville, Virginia. We are glad you joined us today. If you head over to our webpage, you can find more ways to serve, more sermons like this, as well as opportunities to support this ministry through giving. We pray God's blessing on the hearing and the doing of God's Word. Amen. David is a longtime member of Smith Memorial who is being sent out into the ministry and mission field um, as a pastor. He is currently at Eastern Mennonite, and he is our intern here. So friends, I invite you today as David brings us the message. Um, let us stand together in honor of our gospel lesson. This morning's scripture will actually be Mark 11, 13 through 17. Then they sent to him, to him some Pharisees and some Herodians to trap him in what he said. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and show deference to no one. For you do not regard people with partiality but teach the way of God in accordance with truth. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, why are you putting me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me see it. And they brought one. Then he said to them, Whose head is this, and whose title? They answered, The emperor's. Jesus said to them, Give to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. And they were utterly amazed at him. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let us pray together. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Give us ears to hear what you would say to us today through Christ our Lord. Amen. Good morning. It's great to be back today. Uh, last week, Laura and I were near Asheville, North Carolina, for the wedding of my nephew, Zach, and his beautiful bride, Alyssa, so we missed you. Um, but I must say, I'm happy to see so many of you this morning. After Cameron called me and warned me that he had boldly gone where he had never gone before, and he didn't know what the result would be of that after trekking the, the church last week. Uh, today, I will pick up the sermon series from the last week, the book that we've been 
reading that's taking us through the book of Mark and the last seven days of Jesus' life. Just for a quick recap, we have witnessed the entry into Jerusalem of two kingdoms on Palm Sunday. Jesus came from the west to bring the kingdom of God, while Pilate arrived from the east, bringing the kingdom of man and the Roman rule. On Sunday, we were asked which kingdom we are a part of and what that means. Then last week on Monday, Cameron shared with us about the cursing of the fig tree and the cleansing of the temple. Jesus found no fruit in either, and Cameron challenged us to practice justice, not just to show up to worship. This brings us to Tuesday. Tuesday is a busy day, a full day. Tuesday is by far the longest day of the narrative found in Mark, 115 verses to be exact, covering three chapters. I feel like Cameron did a great job with the fig tree, and I actually listened to it on the new website, so there you go. And Mark does bookend the fig tree experience on two different days, in contrast to Matthew, who just did it in one. But instead of continuing to speak about the fig tree this morning, I decided to go in a different direction. One of the most important things that I have learned so far in seminary, and it's really, it feels quite simple, but it's not, is the need to think deeper, to ask better questions, and to find out the rest of the story. The passage that I have chosen this morning is one of those passages that if you take it at face value, you actually miss so much of the meaning. We shortchange what Jesus actually has in store for us unless we dig a little deeper and ask more questions. So with that in mind, I'd like to run back through the passage this morning, almost verse by verse, because it's so rich. So to start in verse 13, then they sent to him some Pharisees and some Herodians to trap him in what he said. Right from the beginning, Mark is telling us some important things, if we look a little closer. So first of all, who are these Pharisees and who are these Herodians? Okay, so we're going to get a little audience participation right now. I have to stay a little close to the mic so I can't run around like Cameron did. But what we're going to do is, Debbie and Dad and this side of the church, y'all are Pharisees. So everybody say, I am a Pharisee. Okay, and everybody, Betty and Eddie and this side of the church, y'all are Herodians. So everybody say, I am a Herodian. Okay, now let me tell you about yourself, okay? <laughs> this is awesome. All right, so let's learn more about each side. First, the Pharisees, okay? The Pharisees were spiritual, and they're committed to God. They are anti-Herod, anti-tax, and followers of the law, okay? The Herodians, on the other hand, are secular. They're committed to the government. They're pro-Herod and pro-tax, 
because they share in the wealth. Okay? So now, you can see, based on what I just said, that you guys are opposites and enemies. You don't like each other, okay? So everybody look to the other side and give them your what's wrong with you face, okay? Like, man, what is wrong with you, okay? All right. So, I hope you're starting to get into and understand the conflict that's happening off the bat between these two groups. But one thing has emerged for the two groups, okay? They both hate Jesus. There's an old saying that goes, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So in other words, I don't like you, and you don't like them, but we both don't like Jesus, so maybe we can be friends for a while. Okay, so that's what's going on. The Pharisees feel like Jesus is challenging their religion, and they can't wait to accuse him of heresy. Okay, and what that means is false belief or false witness. And the Herodians, on the other hand, think Jesus will undermine the rule of Herod, so they can't wait to find a way to accuse him of treason. So here we can see that either way, they both want Jesus dead. But at this point, they have nothing to charge him with, and they fear the crowds that are following him. So on Tuesday, the thought of the day is trying to trap Jesus into saying the wrong thing that they can use to discredit him and prosecute him. Okay? So in today's words, what they're trying to do is troll Jesus. Okay? Does everybody understand what troll means? Yeah, we see that all the time, right? Okay, so now let's move to verse 14. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality, but teach the way of God in accordance with truth. Okay, so what they are saying is, Jesus, you are a man of integrity. You don't change what you're saying to impress anyone or back down from speaking the truth. You show no partiality. In their minds, they are setting Jesus up to put him in a no-win situation. I do wonder if they actually believe those things they said about Jesus or if they were just saying them. But at the verse, end of verse 14 and the beginning of verse 15, the question arrives. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? Should we pay them or should we not? Okay, now I want y'all to understand, I've been digging into this and studying this for a while to prepare for this. Jesus heard this question, okay, and had to respond. He was put on the, on the spot. If Jesus says, yes, pay the taxes, then he will lose the support of the people and will become unpopular, so then the Pharisees no longer have to fear the people because the people won't back Jesus up. If Jesus says, no, don't pay the taxes, then he would have been seen as subversive and a protester against Rome. They think they have set up the perfect scenario to bring Jesus down. Either answer, they win. But Jesus masterfully redirects the question. 
In verse 15 and 16 it says, But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why are you putting me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me see it. And they brought one. Then he said to them, Whose head is this and whose title? They answered, The emperor's. Okay, so there's a lot of stuff here too. First of all, Jesus sees right through their phoniness, the phoniness of the Pharisees, and he also sees right through the hatred of the Herodians. He is on to them. He calls them out. Why are you putting me to the test? Or why are you trying to trap me? Then he asks for a denarius. This tells us two things. First, Jesus doesn't have one. And second, they do. Okay? So what does that mean? All right? Stay with me. I know that this is good stuff. Just stay with me. So the tax that is in question is the poll tax, which is related to the census. The tax is one denarius, which is the equivalent of a day's wage. Okay? So think about today. That one coin probably worth, you know, what, a couple hundred dollars. It's significant. The denarius coin was very important to Jesus' answer. Whose head is this and whose title? Jesus is asking about the inscription and the image that's on the coin. The image on the coin is Tiberius Caesar. And the inscription would have given his name and also said, Son of the Divine Augustus. A little more history. Coins at this time were used to spread propaganda. To remind people that they were a subject of Rome. It was a portable idol to promote pagan theology. At this time, the law forbid Jews from carrying idols including images of men proclaiming to be God. The coin actually said, Caesar, son of God. Okay, so here it comes. Verse 17. Jesus said to them, Give to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. And they were utterly amazed at him. With this answer, Jesus moves the discussion from public politics to personal principle. His response elicits the question then, what is Caesar's and what is God's? You see, at this critical part of the story, this is not about division of church and state. This is not about politics and religion. This is not about taxes. This is about image and inscription. This is about whose we really are. In Genesis 1.26, it says, Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image according to, his, it, according to our likeness. I believe throughout Scripture, it tells us to be good citizens, which would mean to pay our taxes, but to give God his rightful place in your life. Give Caesar back the coin, but he doesn't own people. All people are made in the likeness and image of God. We owe the one who owns us, and that is not Caesar. 
So in reality, what Jesus is saying is, Caesar has nothing. Can you imagine the hugeness of that statement? Jesus is basically saying, this whole Roman thing, it's a hoax. It's all God's. In his context, this was unheard of to even suggest. And I didn't know this, but insurrection was the only offense in the Roman world punishable by crucifixion. While Jesus didn't come right out and say it, he is challenging everything and everyone, including Caesar. The passage concludes with, and they were utterly amazed with him. In Matthew's account, it also adds, and they left and went away. So I ask us this morning, if we've been amazed and astonished and in awe of Jesus, why do we also continue to walk away? Give to God what is God's. When you hold up your life as a coin, whose image do you bear? What are the Caesars in our life today? Are they in our hearts? Are they on our shelves? Are they in our wallets? What is claiming to be of utmost importance in our lives? At what point will we stop trolling, arguing, and debating what is Caesar's and what is God's and agree that it's all God's? We are made in his image and we bear his inscription. May we today decide to love mercy, to seek justice, and to walk humbly with our God. Let's truly and fully give to God what is God's, ourselves. May it be so in us today. Amen.